This was a bonus episode I recorded for the Popular Front Patreon. I spoke to two members of an anarchist unit currently fighting against ISIS in Syria. This unit is made up of foreign volunteers, so internationals from all over the world who've gone to fight. They're fighting alongside the Kurdish militia, the YPG. The first guy you'll hear me speaking to in the interview is an American, but interspersed throughout you'll hear his mate speaking as well. He was an Italian. His name was Lorenzo Orsetti. His codename was Tekashir Pilling, but he was known by most people in Syria as Orso. Sadly, Orso was killed this morning whilst fighting against ISIS. I spoke to him a week ago, so this is his last interview ever. And it was on the Patreon and I thought, you know what, instead, let's put it out for free so everybody can hear it. This is another Patreon-only bonus episode. Today we're speaking to a group of anarchists from all over the world who'd gathered in Syria and are fighting alongside the YPG. They have their own unit. They call themselves Tekashina Anarchist, which means anarchist struggle. They're still there and they're going to tell us what they're up to. So firstly, if you can just explain about this new unit you've got, you know, about your group there in Rojava right now. Yeah, so the organ- uh, the collective has been around since about uh, autumn of 2017. Uh, it was formed shortly after Raqqa uh, in order to maintain like a specifically autonomous space for anarchists, but to also operate within the movement and to have like a, you know, a good relationship with the Havals. Um, and one of the pillars of the revolution, you know, being uh, autonomy, you know, it's important to have a, a multiplicity of, um, you know, political identities and whatnot. But uh, as had been mentioned, I think I, I talked about it in the AMA, was the intention of the unit was, was never, ever to become public. We were simply interested in bringing anarchists here who wanted to engage in direct solidarity, who wanted to put in actual work and whatnot. Uh, but in mid-December, when um, Turkey decided that they, you know, there's this huge threat that they're going to come over the border, everyone thought they were going to invade, etc. Um, everyone began to start putting out propaganda and trying to activate their base. And obviously our base is, you know, anarchists. So we decided at that point um, to become public, and that in conjunction with the reformulation of the uh, International Freedom Battalion, uh, since we are a signing charter member, that was also forced to name out there. Um, so now pretty much, I, I guess we, we do have propaganda, as you can obviously see, like we're doing an interview with you right now, um, our strategy is still that we don't want to replicate kind of like a, this, you know, just here to take pictures kind of bullshit, you know what I mean? You know, you know, propaganda is also kind of a weapon in some situation. But specifically our strategy when it comes to this kind of propaganda is not to, you know, have kind of the flamboyant over-the-top uh, propaganda that you've seen come out of like various uh, so-called uh, groups. You know, but rather just to kind of document like what we have been doing. Um, and so when we do like rotations to the front and stuff like that, we'll uh, have some pictures or for example, right now we have our medical unit is down um, at the front doing uh, a lot of positive work. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about that. Maybe you can explain what your group are doing. You know, I've seen, like you said, you've been on the front, you've doing medical. What's the situation right now? Right now we have a... Uh... 
medical unit is working in uh, Bahos and uh, is working. Before they had a personal ambulance. Now I know there is uh, they are split. Uh, uh, one group is an ambulance. Another one is with MV and they work directly on the line. And so they are making a very very good uh, good job there. Also because Bahos is was really incredible, full of mine, and uh, still they have uh, still a lot of injuries. And yeah. uh, also, also the people there was uh, not just uh, first aid, uh, first aid prepared. We have uh, medical people really good prepared for that kind of job, you know. But basically, this is now the, this uh, this uh, new project of uh, this medical tabur. Because uh, in general, uh, all the resort, we made uh, all the campaign of the resort, all of it. So you fought Since, through the whole uh, thing. Well, uh, yes, yes. Since we was uh, outside uh, in the desert of Ajin, and there was a lot of problem at the time because every time we advance, uh, uh, ISIS after take uh, take territory, make a lot of a uh, lot of death. Uh, uh, destroy our line many times was really really hard to fight in the desert and uh, after Ajina we made Al-Susa, after Al-Susa we made Bahos so basically the resort we, we did all of all of the resort campaign in different group we split we, we never go, go all the same people usually we change mm-hmm. but uh, we, we did uh, all of it yeah, we uh, developed uh, a good relationship with a uh, uh, local Yipiga Harami, and Harami is uh, generally non-Kadro uh, people. So we developed a good relationship with the commanders, and uh, the commanders now invite us down every time they go down, and they rotate uh, every two weeks down there. And uh, the, our first rotation, we saw quite heavy fighting, and we stood... You know, we stood with them, and we were the last to leave with the commander. So they were very happy with our work down there, and they've been continually. Um, you know, our relationship is definitely growing, and particularly with the medical unit, that there's only Havisor down there, yeah, and they're quite far away from the front. So it's good that we have, you know, uh, combat medics who are able to go in the Humvees and go and pick up and stuff like that within the crucial minutes you know like blood loss and, and stuff like that is um uh, but also fighting uh, speaking was uh, kind of surprising how they they was happy about our work for me it was a surprise that uh, a commander of a forge the forge usually are bigger and uh, are thousand people 700 people that that call us to ask oh we are going you want to come with us because they remember of us so it was kind of uh, an honor for us, you know. Yeah, right. They definitely see you as useful. You're not just propaganda for them. Like, look at these yes. foreigners. Yeah. And why, why Rajava? You know, you're anarchists. Why did you guys go to Rajava? Okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously, how it's kind of projected and portrayed within uh, within the West is some sort of kind of like uh, anarchist project. Well. The reality of that perhaps may not be so um, so accurate. It is still, you know, an incredibly important struggle in terms of uh, the liberation of the Kurdish people 
as well as the, the women's movement, which uh, is something me personally, I found to be incredibly important and inspirational is the, the women's self-defense in a region that is so uh, hostile to to women. And you see the progression of this is, is, is very tangible where they have Jinwar, they have resources for women to escape uh, abusive relationships that, you know, that these women are able to, um, you know, defend themselves from uh, the, the, the femicide, uh, the femicide of like, um, you know, ISIS and whatnot. But I think it's not even like, I don't think something has to be like specifically anarchist in order for anarchists to support that we still stand in solidarity with these people. And then if we actually mean what we say in terms of solidarity, then that means taking action. And that also, you know, goes to stand for a place like Palestine, right? Like we don't necessarily support every group is active within Palestine but we still stand <laughs> yeah, you hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but, but still there are some values that uh, okay there is not uh, anarchism here but there are some values uh, that are uh, compatible with it uh, that are kind of inspirational you know like the self-organization from the bottom and this kind of stuff uh, there are some kind of uh, we can learn also from this stuff, uh, you know, okay, of course, there is no anarchism here, but there are some kind of values very, very similar, like, there is not the excess of bureaucracy we have in the Western society, mm -hmm. there are, uh, there are uh, more social cooperation, uh, you know, this kind of stuff. Yeah, regions can run themselves, right, with, you know, direct democracy. Uh, yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, they are working on it and uh, it's beautiful to see for example also our propaganda is not uh, like ah, here is the paradise uh, everything is perfect and blah blah we are really really realistic on what happened here some stuff works better some stuff works a little bit worse we are they have to continue to work on, on it but uh, yes we must be realistic and uh, we learn also from mistakes, you know. That's what I found so interesting about your group is that, you know, you are obviously radical, you're anarchist, you're out there. But when I read one of your interviews or the, the Ask Me Anything on Reddit, I was like, shit, these guys are not delusional at all. You know, you, you guys are saying things that I knew to be true of Rajava. It is not the paradise that some, you know, a lot of the communists try and make out. You know, and it's not an anarchist state particularly. It's not to say that it's a bad place, but, it, you know, it, I don't know. It's interesting to see you guys being realistic, I guess. For me personally, it's uh, good also to see the work between anarchists, because also anarchism is not one ideology and everyone thinks mm -hmm. the same. There are very different kind of ideas, a different kind of person, they have completely different ideas. And also find agreement between each other, find the confrontation between us, for me, Will be will be really important, really. Me, I feel like uh, like I grew up uh, a lot in this place. And I, I, just going back to your point uh, about you know being realistic about the scenario, I've been emphatic, and I think I, I said also in the AMA as well that it's important not to generate like these fantasies about a place, like particularly because if you come here, you're gonna be sorely disappointed, and that you have to realize that this is 
the Syrian civil war and that Rojava is an ongoing project and mistakes are made, you know, but that's not a reason to dismiss it. You know, it's a reason to continue to support the growth of the project and recognize the reality that it is something that is developing and it is something new and it is, you know. We are still convinced that, uh, that we are in the in the right part. The Middle East is a chest of the snakes and we are still convinced that this revolution is a kind of right, you know. Yeah, what, what were you most surprised about, do you think? What's the biggest misconception from your point of view anyway? I think perhaps, uh, I mean, I know that you've, you've spoken with Haval uh, for other people who have been in Rojava since 2015 and whatnot. And um, back then, back in 2015, 2016, it was a lot easier for like people who were in Yipiga, uh to be able to get to the front line, you know. Mm-hmm. That it, uh, and now, uh, one of the things that I realize that is most difficult, that it's, uh, it's very difficult to, to get to, because everything here works on relationships, diplomacy, building trust and whatnot. So it actually, you know, requires like persistence that if you want to get to the front line, you have to be very, very, very persistent about it. And things kind of move, you know, and, uh, and it, I think it ended up taking us four months before we were able to send our, our first group down, uh, down to Deerzor. I don't know if Firat told you, but uh, they have also, the Kurds have uh, has also their kind of reason, because in the past, uh, many international gives, uh, gives uh, many troubles. So Yeah, that was the problem for a while. You know, I would speak to people and they would say, oh, all of these uh, internationals, like none of them fight. Uh, and I, you know, knowing the movement quite well, just through my, you know, from my research, I said, no, no, they do. But the ones that are fighting, generally, you don't hear that much about them. It's the ones that cause trouble you hear about. You know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. You know, the problem of this place that is, uh, is an extreme place and uh, attract extreme people. So you have uh, extremely good people, but you have also extremely bad people. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. How come you're still out there? Because I know quite a lot of internationals came home when Derezor approached, you know, and as the end, it seems to, you know, kind of be happening. Obviously, there's a lot more work to do, but a lot of people did come home. Why are you still out there? Uh, yes, you know, the, the, the threat of the Turkey is uh, still present. Uh, now we don't know. They say that they want to leave a little uh, contingent of American soldiers, something like 200, but we don't understand well uh, where, if at the border of or uh, in Derezor, uh, and we will see. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the Turkey is still there. And uh, one day, for sure, they will try to penetrate. They will try to attack us. So I think uh, the best thing we can do in a moment uh, there is no fight is uh, pre- prepare ourselves better we can, you know. Sure. You think that's going to be the next fight, yeah? Uh, it's a possibility. Me, mm-hmm. I was in Africa, and uh, in Africa there was many, many mistakes. Uh, but uh, fortunately, Hevas uh, now take care about it, uh, and uh, they, they, they are preparing for for uh, for it. They, they are still preparing the defense because uh, you know it's not, it's not easy against uh, you know airplanes and drones uh, and. Uh, 
we, we are not, uh, you know, a regular army, you know, you know it's, uh, it's a militia. We have uh, our work, uh, is uh, more, more hard. Yeah, for me personally, um, I wanted to be here until, uh, well, first off, I, I came after Afrin, and I had planned the trip since 2015, but since but uh because of financial reasons you know it's like a thousand dollars to get to be up to stay in hotel etc it's a very expensive trip um but after after it happened i thought it was incredibly important that like okay this is the time that you know if you're really about it you have to really go like show solidarity and when i got here i was under the impression that we were that they were going to attack Manbij. so I, I was prepared for that fight um, however, we, I just personally ended up uh, fighting Gash, but I, I certainly wanted to stay around for the defeat of ISIS. And I think that it's like in a, an incredibly important historical moment uh, to be around for the end of ISIS, you know, the territorial end of ISIS, that is. And uh, you, you know what? It's very difficult to make a provision in this, a prediction in this... Uh in this place because uh, Middle East everything uh, changed very very fast uh, and uh, so uh, we don't know M maybe maybe they find an agreement uh, with the regime uh, for go Idlib who knows who knows yeah I always say like in the Middle East nothing moves until it does <laughs> and then everything fucking moves you know what I mean <laughs> you guys are breaking up a bit so I just want to finish this soon but one thing I want to give you the opportunity to do if you're happy to I want you guys to, if you can, explain your ideology because it's very easy to say, oh, there are these anarchists, um, you know, out there fighting. And I know that that's very different to, for example, the kind of weird Maoist or like Stalinist groups that are out there. So maybe you guys want to explain what is it you believe in? Okay. Uh, so we do have, as uh, you mentioned earlier, we do have a diversity of anarchists here. Uh, so in terms of ideology, you know, there is difference. Uh, we have a lot of uh, Haval regime. Uh, you know, we are a mixed group where we're not just men. We also are near men and women. Um, so we obviously have a feminist influence within our organization. And But primarily what unifies us is the non-hierarchical and uh, collective approach where we do have a military commander. However, they only deal with issues in regards to, you know, military, mm -hmm. right? That we recognize that, like, if we go down and attack them or something like that, that there needs to be someone who is in charge, but they only maintain that position under those particular circumstances. Yeah, it's practical. You could end up dying otherwise. Right, exactly. Everyone's running around mm. doing whatever the fuck they want. Um, but, you know, so I think what, what unifies everyone is the desire to to grow as anarchist revolutionaries, recognizing that, you know, like, uh, you can't simply swap one uh, oppressor for another, right? Like, within, you know, some sort of, like, authoritarian communist framework. It's like, okay, you can exchange the, uh, you know, the, the capitalist for some sort of, uh, you know, authoritarian bureaucrat or whatnot. So I think... You know. Still, capitalist, uh, capitalism and the ma mass uh, consumer, consumerism uh, society, I think uh, for me is this, this the worst uh, enemy we have uh, 
destroy everything, destroy tradition, destroy relation, destroy everything. To me, is uh, to deal with this stuff, to try to find a different kind of society. That's it. Yeah. I guess it's not easy. It's a, it's a long way, it's a, of course, uh, but uh, we have to try to do something because I think that the, the things will will go worse and worse with the time. And mm. for me, probably it will continue in this way. I guess just in quick summation is kind of unifying things are uh, feminism and uh, uh, anti-authoritarian approach as well as an anti-fascist approach and uh, non-hierarchical approach because obviously we have different types of anarchists we have insurrectionists we have anarcho-communists we have you know anarcho-feminists we have uh, individualist anarchists you know different types but we are all still unified on these these very um critical and core components. All right, guys, thank you very much and good luck out there, yeah? Yeah, thanks, thank you. still alive he wrote a note that he wanted everybody to read uh, if he died whilst fighting out there in Syria and this is it it says ciao if you read this message it is a sign that I am not in this world anymore bah don't be so sad I'm doing well I have no regrets I died doing what I thought was the right thing defending the weak and being loyal to my ideals of justice equality and freedom so in spite of my premature departure My life has been a success, and I am almost sure that I went with a smile on my lips. I could not have asked for better. I wish you the very best, and I hope that you too, one day, if you have not already done so, decide to give your life for others. Because it is only like this that the world can be changed. Only by overcoming the individualism and selfishness in each of us can the difference be made. These are the difficult times, I know. But don't fall into resignation. Don't abandon hope. Never. Not for one moment. Even if everything seems lost and the bad things that afflict humans and the earth seem unbearable, keep on finding strength and inspire it in your comrades. It is exactly in those darkest moments that your light helps. And always remember, every thunderstorm begins with a single drop. Try to be this drop. I love you all and I hope that you treasure these words. Sekeftin. And then it's signed also to co-share Lorenzo. So that was a note he wrote. Uh, I thought I'd read it out. I think if I wrote a note and was killed, uh, I, I would like that to happen too. So yeah, rest in peace also.